me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it, and actually played with it? Yeah! Are you one of those people that has to know how much the Babe Ruth ball is actually worth? I was going to bring it back, but it was signed by Babe Ruth! Yeah, you keep telling me that. Who is she? We'll keep it right here, because today is your lucky day. The Sultan of Clouds. King of Crap. The Colossus of Clouds. The Colossus of Clouds. It's time for Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan, sponsored by ERC Delivery and Huggins and Scott Auctions. The Great Bambino! Happy Saturday morning. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Aki. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 8 a.m. Central Time. We'll be joined today Around 7.20 for John, with by John Bulldog Drummond, who's going to join us for this week's episode of Which Ended Higher and give us a trip in his time machine back into the past. It's a little bit of a, a skeleton crew this week. Vince got slammed at ERC delivery, and you know, he had somebody off, and when they have a lot of business to do, it's the big cheese has to take over. So Vince got busy at work, and Nancy Huggins won't be with us for which ended higher. So Tyler and Bulldog, it's their chance to pick up a point this week. So we'll see what happens with that on this nice Labor Day weekend. So let's get right into things. I was looking on Monday, a lot of, usually a day or two during the week, I'll check this day in sports history. And Monday I checked it, and I saw that it was the 69th anniversary of the drowning death of Archie Vaughn. Now, I'm like, Archie Vaughn, I've, I know he was a good player. I've heard of him, but I didn't know much about him. And uh, so I checked out that he was only 40 when he died. He, he drowned. Apparently, somebody from – they were on a lake. And he and his friend were on a boat on a lake fishing. He had retired to a ranch. And somebody from the side that that saw him said his friend stood up, the boat tipped, and both of them drowned. So I was like, how good was this guy? I looked it up. He had a 162-game average of 318 with nine homers, 83 RBIs. A 406 lifetime on base percentage and a 136 OPS plus at the age of 23 in 1935, he hit 385 with 19 homers and 99 RBIs. He's in the Hall of Fame, so he's really good. So I was like, okay, I, I caught up on some of that info. And then I was going to mention that I'm selling a Wander Franco. 2020 Leaf Ultimate Draft autograph number to 75 on my eBay ID because I, I T Crown Tom is my seller ID. I noticed that Wander Franco was in getting some publicity for most consecutive games reaching base safely under the age of 21. Now he's up to 33 in a row. And so who, of course, is he Is he tied with right now? Archie Vaughn, <laughs> which I was like, oh, man, what are the odds of that, that Archie Vaughn comes up here when I, I'm just putting that together? So 
Franco missed last night's game because he had kind of concussion syndromes, but just a bad headache, and so he had the day off. So I think he'll still be able to keep the consecutive game streak going because he didn't appear in that game if he gets on. But right now, he's got 33 in a row, which ties him with Mel Ott and Archie Vaughn, who for, for most consecutive games reaching base, before the age of 21. Second is Mickey Mantle. Okay, Tyler and Bill Huggins. Can you guess which Hall of Famer is first with 43 right now? Ricky Henderson. Oh, that's a that's a great guess, but no, it isn't. That was going to be my guess as well. Oh, okay. Well, Frank Robinson. I didn't realize, I knew Frank Robinson was good young, but I didn't realize he came up federally. I would have thought maybe like Al Kaline. I know Al Kaline was an early player. But so if Wander can continue on with that, if he gets one more game, then he's 34 and he's just behind Mantle at 36 and Frank Robinson at 43. And I, I watched a video a, a couple of games ago. He hit a home run to right field. He's a switch hitter, kind of like a Mancata type player, that type of build, and a switch hitter. And uh, Sale gave him a high outside fastball, and he hit a home run to right field. And Sale was like, I didn't even worry about that pitch. That's not a home run pitch. Nobody hits that for a home run. So so Wander has a has some big-time talent, it, it looks like. Now, some items. If you do want to call today, the number is 312-332-3776. We're on till 8 if you have a question about the value of an item or if you have something you just think is neat that you want to tell us about. Some items that ended in August in the Huggins and Scott auction. A Walter Johnson single-sign baseball. Now, Bill... This was signed on a little tavern fast food stamped baseball, famous for five cent hamburgers. Is that in your area or was that in your area in the Washington, D.C. area? Are you familiar with that little tavern? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they called it Club LT. Yeah. Okay. Are they still around? You'd bu- you, yeah, you'd bu- I believe there may still be a couple left. Uh, okay. You, you generally would buy those by the bag. You'd buy like a dozen of them oh, or something. You know. Okay. They kind weren't like, real big hamburgers. You know, yeah, they were kind of yeah. small type things. But kind of like no, sliders. I, yeah, they were the greatest. They were a great late night, you know, yeah. munch out thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When the bars close, run to little tavern. <laughs> that that Walter Johnson single sign baseball with a seven strength signature sold for. A high bid of 10250 Now, here's something that's kind of cool. I have the Ernie Banks picture on the wall at T-Crown of this card. 1971 Topps Greatest Moments, complete 55-card set, sold for $8,600 with 51 bids. Um, that That's a pretty popular set now. It seems like. I looked for a couple things on eBay. I thought I had had that Ernie Banks card in the store and I sold it. And I thought, now I want to get one. I want to get like a lower grade, but there was only one 
even graded, I think it was a five, and they were asking pretty high money on it. So that set's gotten pretty hot. And then, uh, oh yeah, that's a that's a very popular set. Every time we get one of those or a near set, and you know, the thing is, it was one of those test issue things. And to be honest with you, Tom, the every time I see those, they're in usually in nice condition. You rarely ever see those in like VG or less condition. Oh, where were they? I thought maybe they were uh, on a box bottom or something. I I didn't know how they. Got those oh, no, things. They were, I believe there were packs of them. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are kind of neat cards, and it's a well, good. They're uh, a different size card, you know. Yes, so it's, they're it's oversized. Kinda... Yeah, but they're kind of cool, and uh, I, obviously they've gotten pretty hot. Here's another thing that was kind of neat: a 1936 All Star Game scorecard program with pre-printed starting lineups. The National League had Melot fifth, and who's batting seventh? Our guy Arky Vaughn. All of a sudden, like he was popping up everywhere this week. Everything I was looking at, Arky Vaughn was coming up. It's like, wow, this is crazy. And Gabby Hartnett batted eighth. The American League had the rookie Joe DiMaggio batting third. His rookie year, he's batting third in the All Star game, and Lou Gehrig fourth. Listen to DiMaggio's stats as a 21-year-old rookie in 1936. He hit 323, 29 homers, 125 RBIs, and 206 hits. Over his career, his 162-game average, 325, 34 homers, 143 RBIs, 207 hits, and a 398 on-base percentage a 155 OPS plus, and he averaged 74 walks and only 34 strikeouts a year. Isn't that crazy? I mean, there's guys strike out 34 times in a month now pretty regularly, I think. A lot of the the big power hitters in, in Major League Baseball. So that's that's a big change in baseball over the years. If you, if you do want to call in, the number now is 312-332-3776. Here's something, uh, Bill, we had a question from a listener. He had a photo signed by Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio. Now, he didn't tell me. I, I asked him if he knew when it was signed, but he didn't respond yet. But let's say, for instance, what what would the value difference be if they had both signed it, say, around 1940-41, or they signed it in the late 80s. Big difference in that? I would say yes. I mean, especially to uh, to some groups of people. You know, some may not really notice that or something, but uh, a lot of times when we get stuff like that authenticated, uh, JSA will even put in their letter that these are period signatures from the 1940s or like if we get a yeah a mickey mantle signature from his early 50s his rookie year that signature was far different than the one that he signed when he did card shows you know all over the years yeah so yeah you would think because of that that uh the value would be quite a bit better i mean if i'm collecting it i'd rather have that if i if i had my choice i think i'd be willing to pay a a pretty good premium to get one, especially if 
if they had dated it at the time, that would really be cool. Oh, anyway, if the player had dated it? Yeah. 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 That that that's neat. You see that fairly fairly often where somebody had done it. Here's something in football. I don't know how I came across this, but okay, here's another another quiz for you two guys. Who is the first team ever to score a two point conversion after scoring a touchdown? And what year do you think that came into existence? I wouldn't have gotten this year right at all, actually. Mm. Tyler, what do you think? Sorry, I was taking a call there. What, what was the question? Oh, okay, what was the first team ever to score a two-point conversion after a touchdown? And what year was that that they started the two-point conversion after a touchdown? I'll go with Green Bay, and let's see, they'll, maybe in 1970. Okay, Bill, what's your guess? Well, I'm going to say the Chicago Bears in 1955. See, now, I, I thought it was older, too. They, that didn't come in until 1994, they said. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess before that, I don't know if you ran it in, it, it, if it was a one-point thing or something. I, I don't know. But I, I checked that, and it was September 4th, 1994, Cleveland Browns versus Bengals. Tom Tupa took the snap and barreled into the end zone. <laughs> the quarterbacks in that game were Vinny Testaverde and for the Browns and David Klingler for the Bengals. A classic matchup game there with those two guys QB in. So uh, let's see. Let's move on. Now here's something else. I, I don't know what was. I must not have been very busy this week. <laughs> here's another thing. I don't know what I was looking at, but I came up with the most consecutive games with a home run. Okay, I knew this one. It's eight. Now there's three players who who hit home runs in eight consecutive games. Dale Long. Don Yeah, and Griffey Jr. Griffey Jr. hit the most in his career of any of those guys. Mattingly, okay, Griffey Jr.'s 162-game average was 284 with 38 homers and 111 RBIs. He really started getting injuries and faded after his uh, he hit 30. But Mattingly had a back injury. Before his back injury... In 1984, 85, and 86, he had OPS pluses of 156, 156, and 161 with power, well over 100 RBIs, and, and batting averages of 343, 324, 352. He was absolutely awesome, and then he hurt his back and was never even close to the same after that. To me, a guy like that, I... I'd like to see Mattingly in the Hall of Fame just because he was so awesome for multiple years. Well, and he did years. it for the Yankees. I mean, he yeah. Saying, you know. Yeah. He never hit over 20 homers after the age of 28 in a season. So, yeah. Now, Bob from Naperville is on the line. Welcome right. to the show. Hey, Lurch. Welcome to the hey. show, Bob. 
Hey, good morning. You're like a machine. It's pretty impressive. I got a really eclectic, eclectic collection from my youth. I'm, I'm cool. 60, but I've got, uh, I mean, I got a couple things here. I don't want to hog the show, but I've got a, a Warren Spahn signed card. I've got about five of his cards I picked up 10 years ago. I think some old guy had just uh, deposited his collection, so it was good timing. <laughs> and I've also got two articles from newspapers when he's died. Uh, one's titled Stengel's Mistake, Spawn Best Lefty Ever. So two articles praise him as the best lefty ever, but it's a signed Warren Spawn card. That's pretty cool. What year is the card? Well, you know, I got all five of them framed. You know, they're probably, you know, he's, I think he was with the Braves when that one was taken, but there's five, you know, the, the cards themselves might be of value. Oh, but yeah. I'm sorry, I, I'd have to go unframe it and check it out oh, the back of it. Okay. Probably don't have time for that. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty cool. Warren Spahn, he, he was famous for one quote that uh, some he was pitching in the ninth inning as some close game with the bases loaded and two outs, and he just looked so calm on the mound. And the, they asked him, how can you be so calm in such a pressure situation? He said, I, I stormed the beach at Normandy. He goes, this isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> so he it. seemed like he was a pretty cool guy, and he was a great pitcher. Bill Huggins, uh, let's say – you had a, a rookie card signed by Warren Spahn, and it was mid mid condition. How that would help the value quite a bit if it's oh signed. a forty eight a forty eight Bowman Warren Spahn in near mint condition signed would be several thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, so if, so if the key to that probably at least I don't know the one exists, but if yeah, you've got a a 57 or a 58 or a 59 Warren Spahn sign, it's, it's a hundred, a couple hundred dollars for sure, at least. Yeah. I mean, Spahn then, was around. He, he died, you know, he signed a lot of stuff before he died, but signed cards of when a player played like Warren Spahn, a Hall of Famer, they, they're a couple hundred dollars at least, and sometimes maybe more. Yeah, they've gotten well, hotter the last decade or so, I would think. Prior to that, a lot of people just thought it's defacing the card, don't do it. And then people started getting some of the lower-grade cards signed to the Hall of Famers, and it's like, hey, that's actually... And then there were more and more signed cards in packs where they came out of packs, the newer cards signed, and then people started thinking, hey, this isn't such a bad thing, especially if it's a, a lower-grade card and and it's not a huge value that that basically helped it quite a bit so thank thanks for the call bob that's very neat do you have time for one more quick one um well we have somebody else waiting so if you want to call back like after 7 40 give us a call back with that one all right thanks bob yeah now we have bob from chicago with a cool item bob welcome to the show how's it going good uh i was wondering the estimated value I have a minor league, a Southern minor league baseball signed by Michael Jordan. Single signed baseball. That's, That's right. pretty cool. Uh, yes. And hey, Bill, time, you, go ahead. Go, go, no, go ahead with the story. I was going to say the time frame. I did a little investigating and the time frame seems to be the ball. The, the actual Rawlings ball is from the time frame when he played for the Barons. Okay. At Birmingham. Yeah. That's right. And it is a minor league baseball? That is correct. Southern minor league baseball by Rawlings. Yeah. And it's got Michael Jordan's signature on there. What do you think on a, on a single sign baseball like that, Bill? Is that in the 500 to 1,000 range, maybe? 
Well, is it has it been authenticated? It has by Beckett. Okay. Oh, Beckett all right. authentication. Well, yeah. that works. Um, yeah. Gosh, you're you're probably talking on uh, a Beckett authentication or something like that. I would say it's probably much closer to a thousand dollars or more. Yeah, that that, that, that would be a lot of fakes of those out there. There are. Really? There's all yeah. Jordan, all the big name guys are are also the the biggest faked signatures around. That's why, like Jordan, upper deck authenticated stuff does so well because they know that stuff is is real. But uh, Beckett authentication is one of the top authenticators, so that would count as a a good item. Bill, if if Bob wanted to send that in, and would you want to run that just by itself? Oh, that's a single item for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of the value is going to also depend on the condition of the ball and the strength of the signature. Yeah, yeah, it looks so, it looks pretty good. Uh, when I got it, I wasn't sure what I had, and then that's when I I got a hold of Beckett and had them do what they did. So uh, I was I was stunned actually. I, it was so just laying yeah, around. If you're, if you're ever interested in selling that, that'd be a great item for our auction. I've got it would be interesting to see what, how it how it would turn out doing. It might do you know even. You never know, it, but it might do better than we think even. And now you didn't get that in person. You picked it up somewhere along the way on eBay or something? No, I didn't buy it. Uh, it was in the family. And uh, my grandfather oh. passed, and we went to the house, oh. and we were going through some stuff, and I found a baseball. And I, you know, I'm like, wow, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, ah, you know, and the, 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 the signature, the, it didn't really look like the Jordan didn't look like Jordan. The Michael you could kind of make out because of the I, – I always say that the M kind of makes 23. Yeah. That's how I kind of look at it. So when I saw that, I'm like, "Wow, you know that? Yeah. that this might this might be real." So well, dig around for some dig around for some other stuff. If he hit, if he was a collector, maybe he's got some other good stuff that'd be worth sending to auction, Bob. If you think you want to sell them, we're going to have to break now. But thanks for the call. That's cool, cool item. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. All right, it's time for a short break now, and after the break, we'll be joined by John Bulldog Drummond. For a trip in his time machine and this week's episode of which ended higher so hang in there we'll be right back now back to sports collecting with tom morgan sponsored by ercdelivery.com and huggins and scott auctions on espn 1000 and espnchicago.com welcome back i'm tom morgan with vince clemeni of erc delivery bill huggins of huggins and scott auctions and our producer, Tyler Aki, we're on every Saturday from 7 to 8. Vince Clemeni is tied up, slammed at work at ERC Delivery this holiday weekend, so he's not with us today. Nancy Huggins can't join us for this week's episode of Which Ended Higher, but we've got Chicago Journalism Hall of Famer John Bulldog Drummond joining us, and he's got us. On another goofy trip on his time machine. What's up, John? It is a bit of goofy, but to do what I did on this time machine, you got to have nerves of steel and muscles of iron. So stay tuned to see if you can do this. But before we mention that quickly, you're, you were reminiscing what happened on this day, September 4th. Uh, the Yankees clinched the pennant in 1941. That's the year they won the World Series, beat the Dodgers. But that's the earliest any team oh, has ever yeah. clinched a pennant, by the way. But that wow. happened around the yeah, which uh, that was a juggernaut. But now the juggernaut we're talking about today is the test that I had to get a job in television. 
Now, I was working radio. I'm going to go back now in the time machine, back to the late 50s, early 60s. And by the way, there wasn't many opportunities in television at that time, that talent, by any means. There was no cable, of course. There was no internet, yeah. things, no UHF stations, hardly at all. So I had applied for a media market job because I knew to get, I wanted to get on the air. And I wrote letters to various stations, uh, about 20 of them almost in the upper Midwest, and I got only two replies back, one from WSAU in Wausau, Wisconsin, and the other one WREX-TV in Rockford. And I took the Rockford chance to go down there and was interviewed. Uh, they had me write a newscast, air the newscast, and they sort of liked that. And they said, uh, have you ever done any sports, which I had. And they said, we're also looking for a person to get this to do news during the day and then come out and do a 10-minute sportscast at night. Well, I was a mm. sucker. It sounded good. And they auditioned me for that, and that was no problem, apparently. But here's the fly in the ointment. As they pointed out, now there's two <laughs> commercials in the in the sportscast. One is on film. That's right, film in those days. And the other one is live. It's sponsored by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company. Uh, did, by the way, do you like Schlitz? As a matter of fact, I did drink Schlitz at that time, so there's nothing wrong with me doing that. I mean, when I tried to sell Schlitz, I, I believed it. But he said, here's the fly in the ointment is that the distributor. In Rockford, had a big distributorship, had a big chunk of change for these commercials. These commercials, he had a distributorship that went all the way down to Dixon, uh, Beloit, Freeport, you name it. It was a big outfit, and he was had a he was the fly in the ointment was this when the, the live commercial with entitled you to pour a beer. You had the talent <laughs> had to pick up a beer, look on the side while he's doing his uh, the beer bottle, put it into a pilster glass, and hold it up to the to the camera as he's reading the monitor and say, "Look at the beer that made Milwaukee famous," and there better be a head on that beer. <laughs> and apparently, seriously, ten days before they had a guy all set to do it, they thought. And he couldn't get ahead on the beer. And the distributor says, I don't want that guy. It's counterproductive. They'll be drinking blats and stuff like that. Why should I pay money to make my beer look bad? So everything depended on me getting that, <laughs> that beer with a head on or I wouldn't get the job. And I'm very serious. So that was I put a little salt in the Pilster glass. Maybe that'll boost it up a little. And then we started the, did the commercial. Well, folks, we'll be back in the, with American League scores in just a moment. The first word from the beer that made Milwaukee famous or whatever I said. I wished over, poured the beer into the Pilster glass. And by the way, that's hard to do because you're looking straight ahead at the monitor. You can knock the glass over. And I held the glass up and I said, "Make oh, God help my this anything. Oh, if we believe in prayers, this is the time. And there was a head on the beer. And I got that job, believe it or not, because of that. And the company realized soon that that was not the talent. It was pretty hard to do all the time to get that head on the beer. So what they did before, they had a stagehand, then pour the beer uh, into the Pilsner glass just before it went on so there'd be a head on it, make sure there was a head on it. It wasn't my problem anymore. And as a result of that, we got the job. As they say, the rest is history. And <laughs> incidentally, if you think that's easy, so try it sometime. Sit down. You're looking at the TV monitor now, which would be your TV set, making a pitch for Swiss. You can't look. You're turning over to your right or left, wherever the table is. You pick up that bottle of beer and pour it into the glass and then hold the glass up and, and make your pitch on the Swiss. And you just hope that there's going to be head on the beer because if there's no head on the beer, you fail the test. And that's why I say you need those nerves of steel and muscles of iron to do that, but we got it. And I thought, no, I've never heard of anybody who ever had anything like that until years later. There was a guy by the name of Warren Wilson. He, had, he was a sportscaster at WTOP in Washington. I think he did some network stuff. I heard him being interviewed on his job, first job in television for sports. 
And he told me the same thing. He said the same thing that the distributor there wanted to make sure they get it wasn't sweats with some other beer. You got to get head on that beer. I can't <laughs> use it. And he passed that test as well. So try that at home sometime, and you won't be you won't, you're just you're grin you're, you won't be laughing. You'll find out that's not easy to do. And you that's listen that's tougher than the guy who misses a putt maybe for the U.S. Open or a kicker in the field goal or a guy that <laughs> strikes out in the World Series because they're getting paid. If I miss that, there's no pay. I'm out. Boom, out the door. So try that. Maybe that's sometime. a new Olympic contest that. The, Don't laugh. They're trying everything nowadays. In it, the, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that's next. That and tiddlywinks will be the next new things they do. Well, if any listener, you know, John, the, the salt in there was a smart idea. Well, I would, believe it or not, I had been drinking a lot of beer, and I thought I I'd tried that before, and I'd heard that, and I lucked out. It got the head. I got, anyway, I got the head, luck or not, but that was not my worry. If afternoon they didn't do it, but right, I think this, Bill, I think the salt did help. Yes, it did. If any listeners want to tweet a picture of their attempt. It's got to be after midnight tonight that you try this. <laughs> Take a video of it and tweet it to us, and I'll retweet it if you do it. I'd like to see, can you beer be pouring all over the kitchen, and they'll be blaming oh, us. <laughs> that's getting, also, remember, you're looking at the monitor all the time, so you're reaching out, you're groping yeah. for the glass and the bottle and pouring it. So it's, it's a, it was a tough proposition to do, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> all right. Well, now it's on to the serious stuff. Which ended higher? Now, I've got four items here. Here's a chance. Tyler and John are tied with three. Vince has five and Nancy has seven. So and Vince and Nancy chance. are not here today. They're AWOL. They are yep, not. They get credit. So I'm going to, John, you're going to start, but pick a number yeah. between one and four. I'm going to make it three items. So Only three. you guys aren't necessarily going to be able to win. You have to, it's going to still be tough, but. Pick a number between one and four, and we'll take that item out. Let's get rid of number four to begin with, okay? Okay, that's good, because number four is the only one that didn't really tie in with the other three. And number four would have been the highest-priced item. No. Yogi Berra, 1953 tops, card number 104, graded PSA 8. In the upper 4.4% of all graded by PSA, that went for $2,700. So that would have been, I don't know if you guys would have picked that one. Well, I've been a rookie. I think I've been, I don't know who the opposition would have been, but that would have been tempting to take Yogi. Yeah, it would Yeah, not a rookie card of him, but a good well, early, early card of him in 1953 tops. Now here, the other ones are all non-sports items. So this is a, an interesting group here. First item. 1936, Gone with the Wind, first edition booked, signed by the author Margaret Mitchell. Mitchell yeah. Oh. Second item, 1976, John Wayne signed the shootest movie still. So that was a picture taken during the time that he was shooting the movie The Shootest and signed in 1976. And the third item, Andrew Jackson signed 1831 land grant. He was the seventh president from 1829 to 1837, and this was signed in 1831 during the time he was president. So, John Drummond, which of those three, and there's a pretty good range in these three which of the three ended higher well, they're tough right away it was almost go go margaret mitchell and then ja- andrew jackson of course is a great historical document but if i recall in the movie shootist i think that was his last picture that is wayne died of cancer 
And was that autographed? Was it autographed or not that picture? It was signed by John Wayne in 1976. Okay, and I'm going to go with that picture. I'm going to go with Wayne. Now, Tyler, here's your chance to move up. I'm going to go with the Andrew Jackson signed land grant. Okay. All right. And and I completely understand those two picks. I probably would have picked Andrew Jackson myself. But meanwhile, the the highest price item was the 1936 Gone with the Wind first edition book signed by Arthur Margaret Mitchell. That went for $2,500. Wow. The Andrew Jackson, $1,300. I would have thought that would have been higher, to be honest with you. And the John Wayne signed movie still $1,700. So not bad price, but not the highest. So you guys are still stuck in the mud. (laughs) Stuck in the mud. You got to give us something easy next week. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to find anything easy because some, it's, this is not easy. This witch ended higher. It's definitely a tougher. A tougher thing to do. I don't know how I would be doing. I think my wife at home, I, I was almost going to have her call in today and get in on it. I think she'd be right up there with the unbeatable Nancy Huggins. She there always, you go. Oh, you got to how about Nancy bringing in a Russell Crowe thing sometime? That was one of your clients at the store. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was that, Bill? You'd... I said Nancy would welcome your wife to pinch it for her. Yeah, you know, she was thought thought about it, but... I don't know. She might. Uh, she's never actually been on the air, and she might kind of clam up when she gets. She doesn't clam up at home. I'll tell you that. But but she might I clam think up. She would do great. And you know, ask her. Nancy's going to be up in New Jersey next Saturday too. So ask her if she wants to pinch it next Saturday. Well, I know she can't next Saturday because she has to oh. work. She's a nurse. Oh, well. She has to work every other weekend. But another time, if you know Nancy's going to be off, well. We'll see if we can get my wife to do that. <laughs> It'd be go. interesting I think to that see. That would be great. Yeah, <laughs> it would be fun. Now, John Drummond, do you want to stay with us for the for the final segment here? Well, since I've been sticking up to join on that last guess, why I had nothing to lose. All right, fine. <laughs> All right, very good. I'll be glad to hang out if you want me to. Very good. It's time for a short break now. The numbers three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you have an item that you think might be valuable or you just want to tell us about it or see if it'd be worth sending in to Huggins. And Bob from Naperville, you had another item. If you want to call back, go ahead. Now's the time to call and hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Aki. And we have John Bulldog Drummond finishing up the show with us. Vince Clemente can't make it this week. He's the big cheese at ERC Delivery, and they got slammed this holiday weekend. And when they get slammed, if there's not enough people there, the big cheese has to take over. So he's very busy. <laughs> Wishes he could be there. Now, here's something in the past. Now, with the football season getting started, I was like, I, I remember a couple of times the Bears played over Labor Day weekend. And here's a, a bad memory. Let's get the bad memories out of the way before the season starts. This is going back to 
September 7th, 1980. Bears versus Packers in sudden death overtime. Oh. Tied 6-6. to Chester Markle, the oh, not-so-great Chester Markle, it gets in the kick. I think it was a 25-yard field goal attempt. Bears block it. It goes right to Chester who runs it into the end zone. I still remember watching right. that game and going, oh, they blocked it. And then, oh, no, that was that was one of the worst opening day memories in my <laughs> Bears, Bears fandom history. You remember that one, Judge? I certainly do. I remember that the, uh, the guy was from little tiny hillside college in Michigan, and Marco, uh, Marco, as you said, Fiegel picked it up and down, danced into the end zone. I wouldn't be the word dance, and that was the game. That, the Bears never forgot that. And a year later, by the way, they pummeled the Packers, believe it or not, 61-7 to at Soldier Field when Neil Armstrong was the coach. Oh, yeah. They got their revenge. Yeah. That 61-7 to in the, the next 80s, year. The Bears handled the Packers pretty well in the 80s. You know, Bill Huggins, the announcers for that game, I watched the, the video on YouTube, were Lindsey Nelson with Sonny Jurgensen. Didn't you meet Sonny Jurgensen one time? Oh, we sold a bunch of his collection. Um, yeah. From the, I went over, yeah, my Ricky and I went over and met him and his wife, and mm-hmm. he signed a whole bunch of neat stuff. I remember the one thing, you know, Sonny smokes these, cigars that they only make specially for him and he actually gave my son one of them so (laughs) that's pretty cool all right well we've got some callers on the line so let's get right to them we have john from gurney with some jordan cards tell us what you have there john oh these were cards that were given out as a promotion from gate probably 25 30 years ago and it's just a set. They had two different sets of Jordan cards that they gave out. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, what the status is on those. If you've heard of those. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. They're not one of his uh, better cards, you know, better items, but they're okay. I guess they, what do they sell? Maybe a set of four of them or a, or a group of them might sell for what maybe 20 bucks or something like that bill 20 to 50 i don't know yeah that like you said they're not one of his highly most desirable items out there but hey no anything with michael jordan on it you could write the name on a sheet of paper and somebody will buy yeah (laughs) yeah and it's it's early on in or relatively early in his career so well worth hanging on to anything of Jordan. Now we've got Bob from Downers Grove is on the line with a question for John Drummond. Bob, oh. welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, this is uh, actually Bob in Naperville. That Warren Spawn card, I got the back of it. Oh, okay. It's you know, it's definitely an older card. They're showing about 15 years of stats, and the last year of stats they show was 1962. So it's and it's tops number three twenty from either six. That's a nineteen sixty three card, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's get that's getting later in his career. So not one of his primo cards, but uh, still a cool. And thing that's the signed. one that's that, signed. Yes. Yeah, the one that's signed. That that's still a few hundred dollars for sure. Is it nicely signed, clean, readable? Very clean in the cards, and you know, very good shape. But you know, yeah, why, why I called the second clean... time? I wish I had the Wheaties box, but I cut out Roberto Clemente from the seventies on the back of a Wheaties box. So I've got Roberto, <laughs> the, the card cut out on a box of Wheaties. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say you had a Roberto Clemente signed Wheaties box. <laughs> now that would have been something there. <laughs> Guys, remember yeah. Warren Spahn and what this was the Boston Braves then? It was uh, Spahn and, and saying and, and pray for rain. He was those two guys. Yeah. Remember for the, <laughs> at that, at that, at that. And Spahn, by the way, bear in mind, you touched on it before that he'd been in the military and in Normandy. Just think if he had not spent that time in service, how many more wins oh. he probably had. He had, what, yeah, he had 363 wins, something like that, to begin with. And uh, who knows? He might have hit close yeah. to 400 if not that. But. A lot of guys missed some key He's years right in, in World War II and Korea that yes, uh, sir. that really took away from their career stats. Okay, well, next on the line, we've got uh, Bill in Downers Grove with a question for John. Hey, you there, Bill. I sure am. I wanted to say hi to Bulldog and tell him that he helped my broadcasting career in a great way. I was an intern at WBBM News Radio 78 in 1979. I was a a student at uh, Southern Illinois University in Carbondale and was lucky enough to get a summer internship at BBM News Radio 78 when it was Holtman and McCarran in the morning, Bob and Betty middays, and Sherman and Alan Crane in the afternoons. And, of course, Bulldog was there, and I used to show up at, like, 6 in the morning and stay till, like, 6 at night, and Bulldog showed me the ropes, and I will be forever grateful. This is the first time I've spoken to him since 1979 and I want to thank you because I've been in broadcasting since 1979 I was in radio until 1990 I uh, I actually made it to WNBC in New York was my uh, piece of resistance and uh I was a traffic reporter here in Chicago for the old shadow traffic, and Gary Lee was my boss. And uh, But I then, in 1990, made the switch to television and went behind the camera and became a line producer and a special projects producer. But if it wasn't for you taking me out on assignments, John, I probably would not have made it. Boy, you're fighter. That's awful kind of you. I really appreciate that. I mean, that that means nice. Jesus, that's very nice of you to say that. That's 42 years ago. Yeah, in '79. I'll be darned. Yeah, I'll be darned. Well, listen, I um, again, I am so grateful, and this is a real privilege for me to talk to you. To hear you on the show is just. I listen every week, and uh, I w- probably would have gone with the shootest picture myself you're making me feel better good i don't look like an idiot that's my favorite that's my favorite john wayne movie so i gotta tell you but anyway um you're you're just uh you're a gem john and and please please remember that okay well i certainly will thank you tom remember this gentleman when he calls he gets priority to get on the air okay when he (laughs) moves to the Honestly, I thought I thought this was. I think John a, should get an. I, I think John should get an extra point just for that call. Well, there you go. You know what? Should, I right, think so. Time. <laughs> I, I, I mean, executive privilege. He just went up to four with that one. He got okay. a point. All right. <laughs> Sorry, All right, Tyler, guys. but but <laughs> you know what? I thought 
Bill from Downers Grove, I thought his voice sounded like a, a weatherman that's on TV right now. I thought that's who he was going to say he was. He sounded a lot like him, but it, it's not. So He's had a very uh, interesting cool. career, as he said. Line producer, yeah. traffic, you name it. Worked at WNBC yeah. in New York, major market. I'd say that's a very successful career, he said, both professionally and uh, whatever you want to call it. It's great. great. So you used to show interns around once in a while? We did, yes. Sometimes we'd take interns. Yes, we would. They would take interns on stories and things like that. Yes, they did. We did that quite a bit. We did that quite a bit. Yeah, very cool. Now, here's something that uh, sold in the Huggins auction. Do you remember these, John? Did you ever see these around? These were both from 1940. A 1980 or 1940 R83 Gum Incorporated Lone Ranger complete set of 48. 38 were graded from in the range of three to six, seventeen hundred dollars, and then a 1940 Gum Incorporated Superman card number one SGC 2.5 went for sixteen hundred dollars. The other singles well, were like in the hundred to four hundred dollar range. You ever see any of those around? Well, or well, not only that. Well, I remember those type of cards, and also there was almost World War II cards and things like yeah. that when we were little. We had with bubble gum on it. That's a fact. So it wasn't yeah. just in athletes or baseball players, but there was others. I don't recall. I don't remember the uh, Rangers ones so much, but I'm not surprised that they had those. Yeah, the Lone Ranger. They they think of all the TV shows that there are cards of. Bill Huggins, what do you think's the highest price? TV show cards. Oh, Stooges, maybe. Hogan's Heroes sells for a good bit of money. Really? Um, Uh. I don't know. Did did, was Mars Attacks a TV show? They're very expensive. They're expensive. I don't. To be honest with you, I don't know. We'll have to look that one up. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was. Maybe. I don't know. And I tell you, those War Year cards. They, uh, if you find a lot of those. A lot of them were printed on very raw paper because most of the paper was used in the war effort. So they had to use this very hard-to-maintain paper, and a lot of times those things just didn't hold up. So to find some of those warrior things in anywhere near good condition is very tough. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's true. Some other things that – now, there were some presidential items. We had one that was – in the uh, which ended higher, Theodore Roosevelt signed photo display from March of 1912, $975, and a Jimmy Carter single signed official ball, $425, like a like a high end Hall of Fame single signed baseball. Well, it's, we're at the end of another show. John Drummond, thanks for sticking with us, and it it netted you an extra point thanks to Bill and Downers. See, well, you see, I stayed. I got rewarded for that. Thank yes, you. Chosen you life is life is fair after all. Okay. Yeah, and don't forget now to check ERC delivery if you need on demand delivery, even on holidays. They're out there working for you. Bill Huggins at Huggins and Scott Auctions. Go to HugginsandScott.com, and you can. Uh, Still see the items that ended in August. If you want to look up any prices, if you think you have some that might be a good auction item, you can see what they ended for in August. And then I'm Tom Morgan. I'm still at Triple Crown in Naperville, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 2, until November 16th. And after that, I'll just be doing online and won't have a store any longer. So have a great holiday weekend, everyone, and thanks for listening.